You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello. Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? And Kyle Pendigraft. This is the iRacers Lounge podcast, right? I'm at the right place, correct? You're, you are. Welcome. <laughs> you didn't get lost this week? I've been welcome, lost for a couple weeks. Welcome new member, Kyle Pendigraft. <laughs> <laughs> On the show this week, we'll discuss what's coming up new to Atlanta Motor Speedway and what's been announced with iRacing's involvement. We'll cover the C- series finale of the eNASCAR International Series, and in topics, we'll ask how the new Windows 11 might affect iRacing and its peripherals. And remember, you can follow along with us on your mobile device in real time and listen to the show and see yourself in all of the great topics. See for yourself all of the great topics and products we discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. We hope to see you there. GridFinder 2.0 is bigger and better than ever with more ways to narrow your search for your next sim racing league. Featuring over 1,000 leagues from over 25 racing sims across every platform, your place on the grid is just a couple clicks away. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. And also, we will be coming up, we're coming up with a new promotional special soon. More details to be announced right now. Just going to leave it a little bit of a mystery. With GridFinder. Yes, uh, we're happy to uh, be involved with them. Topics. It's time to uh, go to a new Atlanta. Eh. You hear you hear the excitingness in my voice, right? Uh, after the 11th Quaker State 400, Atlanta is going to be breaking ground on a project to create the next generation of Atlanta Motor Speedway, and it'll be the first of its kind and all new race experience. And basically, they're going to. We, we've looked over all of the previews. They're going to be making it a lot steeper because they want the quote closer racing which which they think is better at the mile and a half um and uh there's several previews i want the last thing i saw was a video that um said they're basically trying to create a baby daytona huh and so you know, this is an iRacing podcast, so why are we talking NASCAR? I mean, because they're joined at the hip, and this even further shows that partnership because apparently iRacing has been the one who has helped design this new reconfiguration or redesign of Atlanta Motor Speedway. Um, they've apparently test raced it, test uh, raced on it with the next gen car. Uh, have made changes accordingly and, and kind of, you know, spot checked it in iRacing prior to this announcement. Yeah, there is some video out showing uh, the, the other configuration, this new one. 
Yeah, they did uh, post a video on Twitter. Um, it, it, I mean, you can tell it's the old Atlanta, but I mean, they only show quick glimpses of the corners. And I mean, can you guys tell it's steeper? I guess it is. It, it looks Daytona-esque, that being that steep. Right. I think the biggest issue is is they're not presenting it very well. It, they're presenting it side-by-side side racing, like they're drafting around the track and all that stuff. It doesn't really, you know, I don't think of Atlanta as a, a drafting too wide all the way around the track. I think of Atlanta as, you know, you get into the corner and you have, you know, middle to off speed better than somebody to make the pass, not try and draft them. I don't want more super speedways. I would be fine with Daytona n- turning into a short track. All right. I'm, I'm right there with David Poole, rest in peace. Because um, it's, yeah, the, the speedway speedways are a little bit different, but that Texas race that we ran, that all-star race, was it was not racing. It was just... Uh, are you going to get run over or not, basically? Well, if, if you don't complete the pass, you lose more spots, right? Like, why? Yeah. You're penalized for not having, being able to exit the corner and get all the way to the wall. So then when you do that, you lose four or five spots. But if you cut the guy off, he wrecks you or pushes you down the straightaway and pushes you into the corner and gets mad at you. And if you're on the outside and they're not beside you they're behind you and then and you cut down they expect to be able to dive in there and and try to outbreak you because it's driving more more like a plate track but but you know when you're in my book still if you're not in the corner beside me then i I get the inside i'm 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 not sure how this is going to translate into like we see what it showed on iRacing, but I'm not sure how it's going to actually translate into our life because any of us know when we watch a new track get or a track get repaved in NASCAR, it becomes a one groove track. So yeah, for they're showing years. two grooves here, right? So how do they create two grooves if one only develops by neutering the cars? PJ one, yeah, you name it. Yeah. We got some more details from uh, Bob Hockrass. He said Atlanta worked with different widths on iRacing and had hoped for a more narrow front stretch, but decided on a 52-foot width for the front after what it saw in iRacing. It is 55 feet wide now, and it will be only 40 feet wide in the turns. So basically what they're doing, if you're taking a picture, like from what I, all the videos I saw, they're not moving. The walls are staying where they are. They're moving the inside of the track out further to and making this the banking steeper. And then what did they call it? The the apron banking is going to be a little bit steeper. And the shallow part is still going to stay the same. So they're basically taking the bottom groove of what Atlanta is right now and changing to that is like part shaving of the apron. off of it, right? It's going to be part of that angle apron that we, you know, that they got. And then it goes up to the 28 degrees. But I think what they were hoping, and they could have, like, to be honest, they could have narrowed the front stretch here if they wanted to, if they were decide to go back to the way that Atlanta used to look and get rid of the dog legs. But if they get rid of the dog legs, then they would have to change the stands and everything like that. It'd be a bigger retract configuration. They're trying to do minimal work here to come up with something. And we do have a, another tweet that shows what you're describing, Greg, uh, the differences in angle. 
that transition is now going from four degrees to 18 degrees. Um, and with the overall banking at 28, when the original was four degrees on the apron and then 24. This is the second Atlanta race of the year, right? We already did the one at the beginning of the season, right? That was, we're on race two. That's why they're doing it. So this will be for next year's season, right? right? Yeah, as soon as this race is over, they're going to tear it up. I just think, I think what they were trying to do is cause the front stretch to be a little bit, a little bit harder to pass on the front stretch, but I think they were going to cause more wrecks if they would have narrowed it further. And there would have been more grass then too, right? Why, why would they ever want it to be harder to pass? Why would they ever even try to consider that a, an option? Maybe because they see what is going on in the turns where it's, it, you would get, if it's, if it's narrowing coming out of the corner, you would have to try and make sure you complete that pass. But maybe that's one of the reasons they were trying to do it. Right. Like if you come out of the corner and you know, you're, it's like at uh, Darlington, when you go into turn three, you know, you can't go too wide there because it narrows up. You shouldn't be going too wide there or the tunnel turn at, at uh, Pocono. It's the, it's, it's the illusion of you shouldn't be there together. So, now that details have been released, iRacing has this track in the can. They've already raced it. When is going to iRacing going to release it for general public? Uh, should they release it now? You know, this weekend on the Atlanta race. Uh, wait till next year when the next Atlanta race starts. I'm sure that the drivers are going to want to test it before that. Do they wait to the beginning of the next season? Perhaps. What do you? They're going to scan it. They're going to have to actually scan it. I believe. Because it's, yeah, that, I know they have what their data they're making it, but I bet you they scan it after it's paved. Right, because the finished product surely isn't going to match perfectly the the CAD drawing, right? Well, well yeah, they, that's a CAD drawing. There's no bumps and stuff, right? They could put it out as the a, as a test track, basically, or the beta until the scan is done. That'd be cool. But, uh, uh, so you probably have heard some of the skepticism in in some of our voices uh how does denny feel about it greg well i guess denny with jenna fry posted first uh i guess what stephen smith is uh operations and developments for the or vice president of operations and development for the speedway um i guess he said i say this uh in kind of jest but when drivers and when driver is uh happy with our racetracks usually the fans aren't um, we wanted to make this, uh, make sure that, uh, we create, or we're creating what is, uh, for the fans to want to see. And then Danny, Denny, uh, is this in reply to Denny? No, this is the Denny is replying to this. So Denny came up with, with all due respect, this same group of, uh, has reconfigured Texas, Kentucky, Bristol, uh, with zero driver input. One of, uh, those lost the race. Other one we don't race anymore, and the last one we put dirt over it. But hey, what do the drivers know? I, he's I, right though. I don't agree with what Jenna Fryer says. I'm a fan, and I don't. She I tweeted don't want it. This. It was a tweet. It was a post tweet I, from. That's what she tweeted, and he was replying no, no, to it. No, quote, she was tweeting. The, she's quoting from Stephen, Stephen Smith. Swift, actually. Not ah, okay. Jenna Fryer. Well, then I don't agree with Stephen Swift because yeah, I mean. I'm a fan, and I don't like the. I would really rather go back to the Twisted Sister, uh, 
at the mile and a halfs because they would get strung out, but at least the good cars could could get to the front, and it was racecraft, not not pack racing. That's not what they're saying. They're saying that Marcus Smith from SMI has taken it upon himself to decide how Texas and Kentucky and Bristol have been reconfigured, and every time they've done it, it's been a freaking joke. I mean, look at the results. I mean, look at what they did to Bristol and they turned, you know, when they ground it down and did the laser grinding, uh, look at what happened with Texas when they redid turns one and two. Well, and we kind of, this kind of defeats what, what Steven Swift is kind of saying here too, isn't what fans think, because if you listen to, okay, I mean, yeah, junior is a retired race car driver. He's in the media part of it now. But when he speaks on what things need to get done, what they should do with racetracks, he seems to be listened to. Is he not still considered a driver? Like I would consider Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s ideas, decent ideas for things that he decided. Like we didn't get a chance to hear what his idea about this this week is, but I would be interested to see next week on his podcast what he thinks of them repaving this track and doing all this stuff because he's wanted this track to stay unpaved. And he is a driver, but he's now knows he's now a media personality and he's talked about how he does want different things now being the media guy versus being the uh, just the driver. So he does see he does have a different perspective, but he probably hasn't forgotten what it's like to be a driver. So this week, if you follow NASCAR at all, especially on Twitter, there's been a backlash about this announcement. Um not just Denny. I mean, you got, you know, NASCAR's best Kyle Larson uh, speaking out against it um, and, and others. And so when that happens, the fans get on board with it. And so then there's a lot of fan backlash too. And um, I even saw backlash towards iRacing. Fans tying, you know, saying iRacing is, is why they're tearing up Atlanta and, and ruining it. So what do you think about iRacing getting caught up in the NASCAR politics of track redesign? Live by the sword, die by the sword. <laughs> what it, and, and some people commented, hey, it's still got to be better to use iRacing because at least, you know, you're not just shooting from the hip. At least you're you're putting something on paper. You're actually putting a car on the track. You're actually trying it, even if it's virtually. Um, but still, uh, you know, to not get all the stakeholders involved in a track redesign, uh, especially the drivers, you know, just so it, it can sway the public opinion a little bit, you know. I, th- well, I think they made a mistake by not getting it, some some of the drivers involved, at least have some, you know, get them a, a heads up and, maybe get a little bit of input or something and maybe some token uh, involvement. Who knows? One of the things they went for with this 550 package is they wanted quote closer racing. Do the, do you hear any fans liking it I, uh, on Twitter anywhere saying, Oh yeah, that that's so much cooler at the mile and a half. Now you don't, it's not what the fans want. And so what are they doing? They're doubling down on that exact same approach. The best racing was when they had the, the low, splitter with the with the gen 6 car before they went to this giant spoiler that was the one of the best years as far as how they raced on the track i think the problem is is each generation they've gotten away from 
they say they're doing it for the fans, but they get stuck on an idea and they can't seem to get away from that idea. The further they go into that, that whole generation of the car or tracks, it was like, we said that we want to see more short tracks this year. So what do they do? They put all kinds of road courses on the schedule, not saying that they had any choice or whatever. They could have maybe not had any chance to get to some short tracks this year and they might not be coming down the road, but if they're saying what's good for the fans, how about you actually listen to the fans? Because they'll tell you exactly what, what they want. Yes, there's going to be all over the place, but they're gonna there's going to be a census that they can find out these information, the, the right information from. Well, I think we beat that horse pretty good. Uh, let's move on to the next thing. We've got the Pro Invitational Discontinued. Uh, Adam Stern had announced it on the Twitter page that NASCAR is informing the industry that they're killing the series for now. Um... For the remainder of 2021, though, it could return for special events in the future. Uh, we speculated that this could be because it's coming off of Fox. Also, just TV and ratings haven't been the same. M- NBC might, we're, we're hoping, might run some Coke races, but they just, I'm I'm guessing they were probably not interested in, in uh, hosting it. Well, my guess is, yeah, Fox is done. It's NBC's turn. NBC, you know, decided they don't have a place for this in their lineup. So, which that baffles me with Junior being such, you know, a big head in iRacing now that, you know, NBC wasn't going to carry something on with it. That's true. I mean, they carry all kinds of Junior stuff, you know, his podcast and different things. Well, junior Junior is big, but he's still not the exec. There are some guys over him that will will go against his ideas. I just think we lost the market when this you know, I, Mike, you'll agree with this topic, but when they kind of considered it a joke, Mike Joy wasn't too happy, was kind of creating it as a joke. And um, I yeah, just I've think we lost, that. we just lost the audience and they saw that and there's just no sense. And, you know, it also creates, these drivers have to give up their time to do it. So maybe they couldn't find, it wasn't worth the amount of, the audience for the time that they're giving up for it. Yeah. I, if I think if from the beginning, maybe not last year, but this year, when they did it this year, take a serious approach with it. Let's see some real racing. Let's take, let's, you know, let's have that tone like a Coke race is, you know, they're not out there screwing around and having fun. They're out there racing, you know, and this it's cutthroat and that's what we want to see. And, and, and you're right with the Fox presentation, uh, turning it into a, a three-ring circus, it was a little bit different. Uh, it came off differently. Well, that, and you've got Mike Joy's attitude about iRacing, so it's never going to be what we would want it to be as long as he's involved. I think if they were to get someone else to fulfill his position there just for the iRacing series, it would probably end up being a better production. I would oh, like The Coke series will be a better production. Yeah. I would like to see, like, this is my thought. If you're going to bring it back, I know they keep inviting Junior into it to race it. Why not get him to be part of the broadcast with, say, like Evan or something to do it right. as like a two things to go there and have like Steve Letarte in it right. as well. Like that would be my idea of mixing the two worlds, have Evan work with Junior and them. And you got the two two guys that are passionate about the racing that understand it plus the sport. Uh, agreed. I mean, that trio 
in the broadcast, it would be a, a much more serious race. You know, it wouldn't be cue the circus music kind of thing. Well, would you uh, go over to NBC to watch some uh, aliens, Mike? Well, well, yeah, we heard about this uh, from the creators of the Majors Garage. We now have Project Alien is the out-of-this-world offspring of Sim Racing and The Voice, a reality TV-style show that aims to discover and create the next alien. Maybe you. You can apply on the Project Alien website. It's projectalien.tv. And I looked at this, and uh, Joe Peak is involved. Um, you may have heard of him. Uh, he's been around sim racing uh, for a long time. Uh, there's also a coach uh, from Brazil called Suelio Alamio. Boy, I butchered that one. As well as Brian Lockwood from uh, the U.S. And Dallas Petasca. They have all these different coaches, and... Uh, Apparently, they're going to film, you know, certain people, you know, auditioning for this event, uh, you know, as a sim racer, I guess. What do you guys think? Probably won't watch it, but uh, I'm curious to see who comes through. The honest truth from all of us. It's hard enough following a lot of the events on here. It's so, Yeah, it's really tricky to catch up with, keep up with everything, especially as much as I'm on the track, right? So this is what it says when you click on audition. It says, personality, have one. Be passionate, be enthusiastic, be funny, be you. Camera, have a good webcam or an excellent cell phone camera. A big portion of the show will feature you in front of the camera. Make yourself look good. Decent PC. The rest of the show will be highlighting your progress in the sim. You need a system powerful enough to easily stream to Twitch or YouTube and look fabulous doing it. Apply in time. The deadline is August 27th. Any and all iRacing members are eligible. You must be at least 13. It is totally free. It might be entertaining. It'll, it may be depend on who, the, who ends up in it. It'll be cool. Um, what was really entertaining, though, was this next video that Greg's going to tell us about. It's kind of watching this. I saw this first, I think, which showed up in our... Uh, so a, list, a listener sent it into uh, our page, and then we, I watched it off of there. But it's kind of like a, a letter to iRacing, dear iRacing, with a cinematic view of um, how he how he interprets iRacing and and sees it. Like this is, it's great to see how when someone is really good with their artistic vision, work on a video, uh, and edit it the way where he can tell a story with it. I, f I felt like this, this GT series that he's part of, or the F2 series, F3 series or whatever, I felt like I want to get involved in these races just because of how he presented it. It's a, whoever this guy is that did it, um, it's from the channel, uh, Raceline Australia. They need to either, I race maybe you should work with him on making some videos with, uh, with what they do. Well, they should just shoot him some iRacing dollars and throw this up as an ad. Pretty much. Or get him to make another version of this using all their content. I think when I watched it, I felt like I'm watching a professional filmographer or editor, a professional editor, somebody who's been to film school. I mean, there's several shots in here that I, you know, you've, you've seen before in movies and, and, and different things and, 
the way he presents it with the the dramatic music and whatnot and the the way it's cut you know it's the way it's edited and put to the music and it's just amazing it's like watching a you know an intro to a, a, a you know a big film or something it was like they had the camera that's on rails that can can for chasing uh, horses or cars in chase scenes they have, they'll have a camera that's on a really fast cart basically that can move he had shots kind of like that but even his wide shots were so dramatic with the way that they would either pan around or look. And I'm guessing he's using that new iRacing camera with the being able to get down tight and then back, it can go farther, further away the way he's using the software. But like I said, this, when you get, when you're, uh, make a video like this, the time that he, you know, when it's in his head and putting it in onto the screen, it, it must, the time that he must've put into this, it must have been a lot because there's a lot of uh, images from this too that he had to collect. We're going to send Kyle to him to do an apprenticeship. Yeah, I was thinking about getting some lessons from this guy. I, I just mean, like Kyle, him. you put up a nice video recently, but this guy's got some that. chops, doesn't he? Oh yeah, he's definitely. I got nothing on him. <laughs> but he, but even he makes like there was a battle where or where he's like on board with the driver and it's like shaking and it's it's just it's a lot of these camera angles they just make you feel like you're in in the car or, or, or next to the side of the, the track and you can feel the, the energy of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely hit subscribe on that YouTube. Uh, so did channel. I. We got a new league to present nitro circus league summer series. It's here from July 6th to August 3rd. And it's going to be the stock car challenge and the pro Two road racing. Uh, you'll have to, you'll have chances to win in, 2021 you got this tour tickets or iRacing credits and it's uh, also some random prize drawings every week so it's uh, stock cars or Pro 2's started on Tuesday and apparently you can get involved and uh, yeah win so this is a direct uh, league right out of iRacing or are they just promoting a league because it was actually tweeted by iRacing I think it's like a uh, hosted event that you can get into. Like if you were to look Tuesday night and hosted, you could have like participated in this. That's my understanding of it. Well, we've been talking about next gen tracks. How about the the next gen car, Mike? Well, let's, let's beat it up a little bit. Uh, When referring to racing in the next gen car um, in the forums, Tyler C. Green asked, what is going on with this car getting into the next gen Ford results in almost zero force feedback with settings turned way, way up in the SIM FFB set up to 10.0 power steering exists on plenty of other iRacing cars and not a single one of them have such a numb disconnect type of feedback. Others echoed the sentiment until, uh, as well in the forum post until staffer Matt Holden chimed in and said, NASCAR wants a low amount of steering weight for the next gen car. And we build the cars to reflect that change. I believe what we have is slightly stronger actually than the real car, but it is in line with the data and requirements for the car. I really don't understand all these choices that are being made for these cars and, and things that are going on. I mean, we do have input from the drivers saying that they do like this new car, but that, that that seems you would want the feel, would you not, as a driver? You want to feel it as much as you could. 
Well, they can feel a lot more in 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 their seat than we can. But yeah, it's a. It makes you want to beat your head against the wall. Some of the decisions they're making with this car. I'm not excited. I I hope I get surprised and proven wrong. I'll just put it that way. Another quote from staffer, Matt. He said, no, I wouldn't expect much change with this. The next gen steering weight is significantly lower than the gen six. And with the redesigned steering system, it will feel extremely different. However, enough time in the car and not switching between the two should help you start to feel the steering better in the new car. Personally, I've had enough laps in it now that it doesn't feel very light or numb to me anymore, but it did take a good amount of time to get me to this point. Now, the question is, does this person have a G27 for their wheel? What's their Newton meters? The other thing is, are they discouraging people from running multiple events then by saying that? Like, don't run anything if you want this thing to feel better? Because, you know, how many different cars do you jump between, David? Like, it's, you're going to get a different feel then. You're never going to get accustomed to it. Yeah, I do. I kind of jack of all trades, really. Um, Some people are built for that, and some people take one car and just hyper-specialize in it. I, I get bored if I stay in one vehicle. Well, and see, like, with the whole steering input, with, like, some experience, you can set it up to where it already has built-in profiles from their services, which is the wheel that I have. And when I jump in that next gen, of course, it'll say downloading, you know, whatever inputs, whatever it is, and it'll say, um, like, 50%, which means it's only getting about half the data that it needs. And when I get in there with that steering wheel on the new gen, it's like I'm just throwing around a, a Frisbee. I mean, it's... It's light. There's nothing to it. It's not fun to drive that way. And needs to come up with something that's going to give it a little rigidity to make you feel like there's something in your hand. I kind of attribute this car to racing back in the old Papyrus race car days where they had minimal force feedback and you just would turn into the corner and the car would go with and into the corner. The inputs is just, it's there quickly and it's not, it's not really doing anything uh, where you feel loose, tight, or anything, you just turn into the corner. And that's exactly what this post was. It was exactly what Kyle was saying. Hey, we want to f- have a little more feeling in this steering. But then he just turned it on and said, oh, it's a, this is how NASCAR wants it. So that's how why it's that way. Got a neat uh, event coming up, Greg. Yeah, so we got, uh, they're calling it the Stream to End MS. Uh, I guess it's the actual... Twitter page too is uh, at streamed in to end MS. Um, so they're doing the four hours of Charlotte Charlotte uh, charity race on the 31st of July here to benefit those with multiple sclerosis uh, with the likes of Steve or with the likes of Steve Myers, Chad Knaus and uh, Nick Ottinger. Um, now, is this the one where they, is it four hours? I guess this isn't like a team event. It's just actually just, uh, a four-hour race uh, for it uh, sounds like it'd be a pretty good event, and these charity events are always fun to get participate in. I mean, it says, "Have you gotten your team together for the event?" So it might be a. Team it is event. a team, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a team event. Okay, so yeah, there is a team uh, portion to it. I, I guess the all they have is posted on their uh, Twitter page here. Well, there's a uh, link or, in the Twitter uh, to the page where you can donate. They've already raised three thousand eight hundred seventeen dollars for this event. You donate, and then there's a register now. 
And it'll be July 31st uh, at Charlotte. Um, there are going to be two fast repairs. It's going to be the Mazda MX-5, the Audi RS3 LMS, Porsche 718 Cayman GT4, Club Sport MR, the BMW M4 GT4, Cadillac CTS, and McLaren GT4. And it's actually on the Roval, too. So it's the actual road course. Sounds like a pretty good event. And so, the yeah, the Nick Ottinger, Steve Myers, Chad Knauss are a team that is highlighted on the page that they're definitely going to be in the event. Yeah, y'all should try to get together on that one. I will be out of town. That basically is the end That's of vacation Saturday. at that point. Looks fun, though. All right, how about a different event, David? Well, it's uh, from PAX Arena, and it's the Almost Pro. We talked about this last week, didn't we? We did. This is a reminder. Um, So you can now join the PAX Arena Almost Pro time attack and attempt to qualify into the final two events. The top three are eligible. um, I'm sorry. I'm Oh, that should be American. Top 30. Nat is NA is what what kind of got stuck on. I think that's supposed to be American. North America. North yeah. America. Okay. The top 30 eligible North American drivers and the top 30 EU drivers in the time attack are going to be when the qualifier ends, we'll move on to the final event, which is on July 16th. The, the 30 EU drivers are going to compete for 5,000 euros and North America will go for the $5,000. Just get involved, guys. Go run the couple time attacks. Um, uh, how many people are actually doing this? I mean, if there's not a lot, maybe uh, you can get it. All right. So let's switch gears to 24 hours of some track in France. Uh, there were questions on the forums. Uh, again, I mean, iRacing hasn't, you know, done their normal public post. You know, here's the details of the event, da, 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 like they normally would. Just radio silence, and so uh, there's people on the forums asking questions, and uh, other people have come up with answers, like uh, there's three session times. Uh, which one are you guys running, Dave? The middle one. All right. Yeah, Tell I us mean, about your preparations here and what, what you got going. Oh, well, we, it's uh, going to be me, Greg, and Dave again, as well as Richard Lucky is going to be running with us. We have already taken him out on the track, and he caught on real quick and is running running the same kind of laps with us. He'll be a little bit inexperienced with you know dealing with the team environment and the the weather change, uh, the 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 light change, and so. But uh, um, it'll be fun. Uh, the guy's fast. He's super talented. He'll be blowing me out of the water before the race is over, probably. Uh, but we've got a schedule set up and we'll have, you know, the schedule will change as, as things change throughout the race. And do we expect any repercussions from this other uh, software title and their uh, cease and desist of using their name stuff uh, with, with iRacing being radio silent, you know, are they going to get away with this? They never, sorry, David, they never called it the 24 hours of Le Mans. Everything has pretty much covered themselves because we're running it at the track. It's was it 1440 minutes. It's not being called anything, but what's listed on that title. There is no, it's just an official room. It's not the special event. 
it's a part it's a part of a series of six races that go 24 hours they've already had they already had a 24 hockenheim uh then there's this one and then what do we got monza 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 spa and coda and coda and daytona see i think the smartest thing that iRacing did was create that series so they could still do it. Like yep. it, it's it's basically what's the way that we can go to the back door, not get any not, not get any backlash from it, and just run an event. Well, why don't we do six events that dis- or five other events that disguise it, right? Yeah, you're right. I think it was the best thing they could have done. Now, on the flip side, how many iRacers out there are missing out because they don't know about it because it hasn't been advertised because people aren't talking about it because it's, you know, this thing. And I mean, uh, there, that's a disadvantage for sure. I, I think it's not as bad as you think it is, Mike, because word of mouth and, and posts like this where you're calling it the 24 hours in the post, but it's not really the 24 hours. Bring it, uh, bring word to it. Um, a podcast I listen to that's a very small podcast for F1 uh, drivers. They uh, they were talking about it on their podcast uh, with their with their group and stuff. So they were talking about they were going to run it this weekend. So you know they they because they even referenced that they had run the the majors twenty four hour one. So I think I don't think that we're it, we're not going to get the huge rocket numbers that we normally would get with it. But I think it'll still be a, a good event. And also, that means some of the riffraff that that is really bad at those kind of races might not be around. There are about 14 uh, 24-hour servers in Hosted right now. And uh, speaking of Hosted, uh, for those of you who are listening live, at 9.30 Eastern PM, uh, we'll be throwing up a practice server, practice for 50 minutes, qualify, and we're running a practice race. And um, I turned the damage off, but set an incident limit where you get a drive-through after 14X, because the only way you really get X's at Le Mans is is, uh, wrecking, right? Or there's not very many off-tracks. And I also set the sun for 8X, so it's going to start in the day and run into night over one hour. Holy, you did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's going to be a quick change too. Interesting. If I'm available, I might jump in just I was going to say that the sun's going to fall from the sky and almost hit your car. It's going to come down so fast. All right. Well, have a good race guys. Uh, represent, you know, to Fosse well, and uh, hope you guys have a good run. Pray for David's pedals. <laughs> He's got new pedals. I don't, I'm not worried about them. <laughs> And I also actually know how to bleed them correctly now, as long as I don't follow your instructions. That's okay. We don't have to listen to me. <laughs> Just be like my wife. She doesn't listen to me either. Or your kids. Yeah, but that's a given. <laughs> Does uh, Lionel Pernia listen to you? Uh, no, because he's a winner. <laughs> um. So uh, Evan Pasoko, I guess I was, uh, he's the announcer for the race uh, for this, but uh, he posted on his Twitter page uh, the third and what I was reading here, the third and final race of this uh, international series, uh, the NASCAR international series was won by Argentinian driver uh, Lionel Pernia uh, at Daytona Road. Um, 
I guess on a late race pass uh, over Mexican racer Victor, I'm going to scrub his last name, Barella's Jr. Um, so good, good. It's good to see. Uh, I like these Xfinity cars on the, on the road courses like that. I kind of think it's a cool event, but uh, I never got a chance to uh, to watch this event. Uh, did any of you guys see it? No, nope. I caught part of it. It was interesting seeing uh, same thing. A lot of the guys that are not the Europeans are not used to running this track. And this is the finale, I think. This uh, so this series is over. Which uh, you know, I hope they keep doing more of this for. Uh, for all these events, I would love to see a strict road course racing event like this kind of, you know, maybe you have a, a roadside for uh, iRacing just for one of the series like Xfinity or Cup as a, as a 12-week series. Okay, I'm the only one. I know, I know, I know. I mean, we, I, mean I love Xfinity at, you know, Watkins Glen and Road America. And, yeah, it's fun to watch. So, yeah, it might be fun. Three, it's it's a good number too. Three or four. Once we get up to six, it's kind of too much. It's almost like if we suddenly started having six dirt races. Um, it's not the original bread and butter, and it's why people got sick of. One of the reasons people got sick of mile and a halfs is not just because of how the mile and a half races go. It's because there were so many of them on the schedule. It was the, you know, it was. There's so many of them. If Atlanta, as it was, ended up being the only mile and a half and maybe Charlotte, people would enjoy it because it's at least unique and more separate. When we when you throw in six road races, it does lose some of its specialness. I think what they should have done, and I agree with what you're saying, David, is, and I know they're always tied to having it for the certain ownerships parts like that that own a, a certain amount of tracks where you have to run Sonoma and Watkins Glen back in the day because you know SMI or uh, uh, what is the other group that owns tracks but uh, they have to get a certain amount of tracks in, in the year well maybe you should have pulled those two tracks off or pulled one off a year and switched it with another track and not gone crazy with road courses like they did and maybe tried the short track idea I mean, look at how popular SRX is. I mean, they're doing everything NASCAR should be doing. <laughs> like, I heard, like, they, I didn't watch last week's, and I, even their promotions are a lot better. Like, this week, they're doing the promotion for the Elliots against each other um, for the SRX. But I heard that they were in interviewing while they were driving around the track. Like, they were just doing different things. I know it's just for fun, but they're trying new things because people suggest it. Yeah, and when you have Alan Bestwick, you know, calling it, I mean, and he's the, he's like the best announcer ever. <laughs> Mike's Mike's idol. I love that guy. They need to hire him at NBC at uh, Fox and get rid of Mike Joy. <laughs> well, I got a question on whether or not iRacing needs to remove ghosting in pit lane. Yes. Uh, Robert Crisdell has put it on there. Can we please get rid of the? pit lane where everyone drives through everyone why do we need it what so what if there's 55 cars in the server that's just part of the strategy of racing and keeps the sim like real life um i used to race back in r factor where you could collide in the pits and it mostly worked but considering some 
first of all, considering everybody's used to it not being that way, it would be a nightmare for a year. And I can just only imagine the number of races that end up getting ruined because people just don't know how to actually drive down a pit road and stay in single file and not, you know, it would, I think it should happen, but I think it will cause greater problems. When I first started iRacing, this was something that kind of stuck in my car a little bit, you know. It's a simulation, but then, you know, pit road is totally different, you know. Um, and so you you grow to live with it, you know, and you're we're used to it now. And so you, you never think twice about it. But when somebody brings it up, you're, you're, you know, oh, maybe I need to rethink this. Maybe it is a good idea. I don't know. Um, a counterpoint is that as a simulation – uh, something I really became aware of watching the Nashville race when I listened to Haley Deegan's spotter for a while, TJ, um, and how he was really coaching her and really helping her know exactly which car had to run, which one didn't, so much more detail. And then when you come down the pit road, uh, you have a countdown and you have somebody else who's paying attention to whether or not somebody else is going to get in your way or not. When when you're just a solo person on the sim, you don't know how long that person's been in the pit and if they're about to pull out in front of you. It's, so the, the, the odds of that happening and not having any a spotter or a crew chief to help you try to prevent that from happening is not there. So since that part's missing, it's not really that much more realistic to turn it on if you don't have all that extra help to, to prevent those kind of collisions. I, I I don't disagree with you there, David. It, it it is about figuring out how to safely get on and off pit road. There, for the most part, it's it's more of a this is more of a new. You almost like how it would be a new technique you'd have to learn to deal with. Um, and I just don't think the iRacing infrastructure is built enough to even to do pit road. Like David, you do a lot of multi-class racing. They don't even have enough pit stalls set up to run that right so how would you pit gtes with lmp1s or lmp2s they all sit in the same stalls overlap i just i I would personally like it just because it's a it's more of a strategic thing for me i just don't see it with iRacing software ever going that way i think i would like to see it like on the a license cars racing so anything b or lower then you're it is like it is now but if you're going to step up to an a race you know an a open an a fixed nis nis is c-class well yeah but me but my idea my point is is you have the highest tier races in iRacing where it it is collision you know you can collide on pit road and uh you have it just turned on for those races not for the whole service I'm just gonna love seeing that C class A. There were kit, there were C class I racing people in in IS race this morning, in the practice server with like an 800 I rating. I just look forward to them trying to learn that on top of everything else. They probably would be fine as soon as they, if they come up starting with it. Like who knows how long they've been in the sim? Maybe they're they're learning and coming up. It's easier it's easier to teach them when they're you know when you're first learning than us old dogs trying to go down pit road they've been doing it hundreds hundreds of times actually thousands of times yeah so if it if it didn't start until nis then they would be used to driving through until they got up to nis yeah but they don't have to wait as long to get up there you can get up there then one night i don't think iRacing will ever change it 
to be honest, just because it's been this way forever. And what's the motivation to change it? Um, and most people accept it as it is. I can't see that category being added for David to protest either. I do. I do not want to see that. <laughs> All right. New trend on Twitter was see who follows who. Um, and specifically the NASCAR drivers. And uh, I saw somebody put together a grid uh for the nascar drivers that showed who followed who of all of them and it, it, it ended up being a thing on nascar twitter where you know kyle and aj allmendinger were were going back and forth hey i thought we were friends and apparently aj didn't follow kyle and kyle got his feelings hurt i didn't think kyle had feelings <laughs> so dylan connelly decided, hey, we need this for the Coke Series drivers as well. And so he came up with the same kind of grid, uh, but with all the Coke drivers. And so kind of interesting to see who follows who. Uh, You can uh, pick the name off the the grid and uh, go across and and see uh, which of the other Coke drivers that person follows or doesn't follow. Kind of, uh, and, and you can also see who's, active on social media and who's not there's a couple that actually follow all of them uh and then you see other guys that with a lot of red which means they don't follow very many is it quite convenient that the only ones that follow everyone are the announcers yeah it seems that way huh but some of the announcers don't follow, like yeah our brandon can tell chris overland are they used it and Michael Greeley used as like in race? No, they're not in race reporters or anything, were they? So they're former Coke drivers. They've been pre race. Okay. I haven't watched one of those in a while, so. We've got a topic about Dale Jr., don't we? No, the Black Dale Jr. <laughs> Bubba Pollard. Uh, so former NFL player and new NASCAR fan. I don't know. Can you call him a new NASCAR fan anymore? It's been over like- a year. I was going to say he's he's got more experiences than I have in my 30 years of following NASCAR. So I don't know if he's a new uh, fan anymore, but um, he, he, he's got his own podcast now. So it's called uh, Pollard to Pollard, which is quite uh, quite interesting uh, how he did that. But uh, I know Ally has been in a lot of works with him with a lot of stuff. So it's good to see that he's – branched out uh to this i have yet to listen to the podcast uh i caught parts of it and and that's why i posted this because i thought it was very interesting this guy loves 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 iRacing i mean and his enthusiasm is contagious if you're listening bernard come on the show (laughs) we need to send this to him so he can uh show up um, but no, it's, you know, he even had a post on uh, his social media. Uh, you better watch out. I'm still learning, but it's about to go down. And I guess he's been figuring out some force feedback settings and stuff on his, uh, to get uh, a better feel for racing around the track. Well, he, ba- if you listen to his little video, he posted on Twitter, he, he basically says he hadn't figured out force feedback until now. So he's been racing with it all jacked up. He finally got somebody to help him figure it out. Uh, how to do the force feedback correctly, and, and he's, it's eye-opening. And, and now he's like, yeah, I'm going to go run Atlanta and get a top five. I'll see you on the track, boys. 
Well, if you have the force feedback working right, it feels like you're in the car, right? And the closer you can get to that, uh, like like I've said before, yeah, Ty Majeski can run with a G27, but but I know for me, because I don't have Ty Majeski talent, better equipment has helped me drive better. Yeah, check him out. He's a good follow for sure. Let's, let's go over podcast housekeeping. Hey, Mike, uh, bef- one thing before you go further there at the end here, something I just noticed, and it's probably going to hit before we, uh, probably before the end of the night or maybe tomorrow. Uh, there's only 22 million laps until we hit 4 billion. And it was over a, it was over like 400 million last week. Or, yeah, it was 400 million last week. So I think we're going to hit it in the next day here to get 4 billion. It's, it's crazy. I mean, every night I get on, there's like seven to 9,000 people online. I mean, before the, before Corona, I mean, what was it? It was a thousand or 2000. Yeah. It's, it's, this time of night, if there was no NIS or anything, it was basically that, but yeah, you're right now, you're almost 9,200 people. It's amazing. Uh, you know, that it's quadrupled, you know, in one year. So, um, very cool. Yeah. Uh, let's go into housekeeping, the aftermath podcast. Don't forget to get it. Uh, don't forget our iRacersLounge.com. We actually just renewed the hosting for that website for another six months, guys. So uh, we're, we're stuck with it. So you guys go check it out. We put a lot of work into that, Brian and I uh, putting it together. But it does give us great visuals to talk to during the podcast. Um, and it, it really does enhance your experience to check it out while listening. Uh, don't forget spotlights from Midwest Simulations. They're still offering 10% off with the iRacers Lounge as the coupon code. We are in regular rotation at PMN, Performance Motorsports Network. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. And fantasy. And Tony's not here. <laughs> well, he's not, he's not going to be here all summer, it sounds like. Uh, he had to so step guess- away f- uh, for a while, but uh, I'll open up the Fantasy League stuff and let's take a quick look. I think this is up to date here, Mike. It looks like it is. Oh, okay. So we got the standings on the page here. I believe this is the up-to-date one. Um, but uh, I'm just going to double-check like you said. Okay. Well, we got Obaby644 as number one, Justin Time 9, two, Res Dog in third, Scott Old Boy 4, Mr. T Bob 5, and TGI Racing 6, Conklin Speedworks 7th, and there's Greg Frozen Cactus 8th, Jedi McFly 9th, and Trick Dickle in 10th. Yeah, these are up to date uh, standings, Mike. It was a tough weekend. I didn't even, I didn't even get a chance to watch the race, so I was kind of just watching on my phone quickly and then making the changes. So I didn't have a good race. I don't know how anybody else's went for it, but it wasn't uh, wasn't the be- better weekend for me. Now I do want to when I sort by race Road America, Steve Lou Allen wins it P one, and then Tafosi's Tony the Tiger second. And then Brian McRubbin is third. How about that? That's actually, uh, uh, Steve was on earlier talking about how that, or was it last night he ran the NIS? And he was talking about that was his second 
win in a row actually for the week. Yeah, he won the the race last week in fantasy, I believe. Yep. Well done. Yeah, see, I got a problem. I got to keep remembering to put in my picks because I've missed the last three races. So I'm sitting back way in 35th. So your official nickname is Mike Jr. Well, what I do is when when we talk about it on the recording here, that's when I do my picks. Because I, if, if I don't do it during the show, I'm going to forget. That's why we do it as a podcast. So you don't see the, 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 the delay Mike has while he's putting his team in. He's doing it right now if anybody's watching. <laughs> I, I am, actually. That makes two of us then. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Well, let's jump to the hardwares. This motion rig um, is just, I got one word, wow. Except I'm going to say wow, wow, because that's got six letters, just like it has six degrees of uh, freedom. And a major six degrees. I mean, it, it, you're not just talking a few uh, centimeters of movement, right, David? <laughs> like um, 20 inches at least, yeah. Maybe two feet. That's why this rig is amazing. And it's like an, an 80-20 style. I, I don't know. I got to try to describe this for the audio listeners. Okay, so you got triples. And the mount for the triples, you know, is kind of horizontal, you know, around the back of it. But along the bottom, there's also 80-20 uh, that goes across the bottom of the middle where the the direct drive is placed. But then it kind of goes diagonal down to where the seat is attached and diagonal back behind the seat with 80-20 up into a, a point where there's two hydraulic uh, arms that go down uh, as legs. They're kind of like spider legs. And they got basically two hydraulic arms on three different points on this rig, one behind the left monitor, one behind the right, and one at the back of the seat at the head by the headrest basically and it moves a lot the the video shows a roller coaster ride basically i was gonna say anybody have about 300 square feet to, to operate that thing the footprint of it is huge definitely not compact now i, I couldn't say, figure out where this what you know can you buy this thing is it custom or what I was going to say, if anything, it's demoing how not to do wire management. It's a very, very cluttered room with what's going on in it. Actually, I just found it. In the description of the video, uh, it references the name Fly PT Mover. And I Googled that, and sure enough, flyptmover.com, you see a picture of it, and you can download the manuals guides latest builds documentation apparently uh you can build this yourself pretty sure it's not a cheap <laughs> investment i mean if you're going to go motion i mean man this is this is going all out what a week for uh brian to go camping those are really long act like arms too aren't they those are like oversized well, well the, the, the seat is suspended two feet in the air. I'm sure Brian's probably going to send his wish list. Probably ordered. Okay, I, I, I love it. I mean, uh, I, it's it's different. I mean, it's not your normal motion thing that we look at every week. 
Well, and then we've just got a, a regular old plain Jane rig with uh, this next one, Greg. Yeah, but it's got uh, George Russell, who uh, is an important F1 driver right now. He's probably one of the up-and-coming talents in F1, but he's uh, showing off uh, his rig. Uh, Simlabs EU posted this uh, on their Instagram, and he's showing off his new P1X setup, um, I guess playing a, playing a, a Codemaster F1 game, the, the F1 game from Codemaster. Um, but it's a nice setup. Uh, we've, we've talked about this P1X uh, before. Uh, and there's not much more you can say about it. It's, he's just got a single picture here of it. And, but that, uh, that rim, though. Well, I mean, I'm guessing he's using, I want to say, a, probably a sim cube, maybe direct drive. Can't tell what the, the rim no. is. It kind of looks like semi cube, maybe. It's it's a good uh, F1 style mini buttons and rotors with onboard display rim. I think I got it right because that push below the button there on the right it says UBE, so I'm guessing that's Q. I mean, if you're going to buy an 8020 rig, I think SimLab P1X is probably the gold standard, right? I mean, a lot of people own it. It was very popular over last year. The uh, in 2019, actually, is when it, the popularity was real high with it. But you can't go wrong with Sim Labs. I mean, there's another one I would trust as well, Advanced Sim Racing. The, they have a killer-looking 8020 rig. Dave, yours is Sim Labs, isn't it? Yeah, I've got the same one, except in uh, silver instead of black. Okay. All right, let's go to another rig. Uh, this one is Luso Motors Formula Rig RCC which is the base model for a new line of products that will be set for sale in about two months' time. This particular setup is sold complete with seat and sliding structure and padded headrest. The rig can be purchased with or without monitor support. A three-monitor support will be available true uh, as well. The structure is made using 8040 aluminum profiles bol bolted to aluminum substructures, providing a very rigid and structural sound design. This design is originally with the ergonomically thought layout and uses our RCC seat. Uh, starts at 659 euros or 759 euros, including monitor. Can we, uh, it's a nice Reagan design, but I think this site is more known for their F1 style um, seats. Like they look a lot better than most of those F1 seats that we've, you know, we've anything we've covered that sits in the F1s style. These seats look awesome, and it looks like they kind of got like some GT style sitting up seats too. But those that seat looks a lot more comfortable than a lot of the other stuff that they have. If you look on their Instagram page here, yeah, it kind of looks like a futurized lazy boy or something mounted on there. Now, how do you describe the design of this rig, though? I mean, it's another unique design uh, where the center go you know go vertically up where there's a monitor support there's a steering wheel base uh you know from the floor going vertically up and then diagonally off of that going down to the the uh pedal plate and then going down to the uh seat plate and so your butt ends up at the same level as the uh the pedals which i guess is how you know you want to sit if you're formula one style right yeah, the base is basically, instead of a flat base that's just a pure rectangle, it's essentially shaped like a house roof. 
right? Yeah, that's a good way to describe how it looks. And it's basically getting the support for the monitors off of like two legs that, uh, or you know, the two legs that come out of that support part and go up with and that, and that kind of a support beams that go across the whole monitors. I guess the triple would have a different support bar at the top there, but definitely an interesting setup. Uh, do we have any? Do we have any prices for this anywhere? It's uh, six fifty nine euro. It's reasonable. If you want that kind, I, I want a GT style myself. I just kind of like the way that that's. Uh, I like that site's or that uh, company's design in their uh, seats for the F one style at least. Let's talk pedals. We got new pedals available. So Sim Magic has. Uh, is featuring their P200 pedals. Uh, they're now available for pre-order um, at SimMotion. So uh, you, if you pre-order them now, you can get 5% off uh, using the promo code P2000 and place your order at uh, the website here. It's uh, us.sim-motion.com slash collection slash simmagic-pedals. Um, these... Uh, very simple design, but these are nice hydraulic setup uh, pedals that they have uh, here from this uh, site. I, I don't know too much about these, this company's pedals, but they they do look like a very good choice in the uh, hydraulic pedal range. Seven hundred eighty-nine dollars is the highest uh, rated ones they have, and uh, yeah, it does have a hydraulic uh, thing on the brake. Uh, or a reservoir, as you would call it. Uh, this is their premium version. Um, you can get their cheaper one for like $100 less. I don't know the difference between them. I love the look of the actual pedal and the pedal face that your foot rests on. Kind of got that dimple look. But, uh, yeah, pre-order now. I mean, that's a good price, uh, I think. And the other thing is this particular company, I mean... You know, it started out with Sim Magic being from Hong Kong, and there was no warranty, and you know, buy at your own risk. And now we have U.S. distributors, we have Australian distributors, we have European distributors, and they offer warranty. And now they have pedals to go with the wheels. And so I just think this company is really coming on. I think some of the differences here, Dave or Mike, that I'm reading is the. The base, their base uh, setup has uh, it's a it's a hydraulic pedal with a hundred kilogram load cell, cell uh, whereas the other one's a two hundred load cell. Oh, I see. Uh, so it's just basically you, you know you're getting a beefier setup with the hundred dollar more setup. So if you're in US, you can actually do this pre-order at us.sim-motion.com. So iRacing is playing around with this new thing called adaptive adjustments. David Tucker posted in the forums that he's put a new a hidden adaptive section in the app INI file that can be used as a way to experiment with iRacing and hopefully make it better for everyone. Um, the first item they put in is the ability to change the color of iRacing or of the racing lines. So you can change the pit line color which is the color that you see on uh, some oval tracks. I guess I'm, I'm wondering if this is, he's talking about the racing lines, like when you, when you have the racing aids on maybe. Yeah, that's what he yeah. means. Mm -hmm. When you turn, when it goes red, when you're supposed to break or green, when you're supposed to throttle. 
Well, I've I've never I've I've got the pit the blue one on, but I've never seen the red green one. I've never had that on. Um, so yeah, you can change those colors. So like if you're colorblind or if you have some kind of issue with your eyes where you can't see certain colors, this allows you to adjust those, you know, so it can be more visible for you. So it's really for people with disabilities. Which is nice to have the custom customability to, you know, to help out with uh, anybody that needs this kind of stuff, right? And why not? I mean, it's probably an easy change for David Tucker just to, you know, put a, a, a configurable switch in the app I and I, you know, so if those kind of people uh, need to make an adjustment, they can. And the thing is, is it's using just uh, the the number bar for any color. So whatever color you want, it can be in the range. All right, next up, uh, a button box from ignitioncontrols.com. And it's the Ignition Control Original Sanwa Arcade Buttons. They're light, precise, and super quick and fun to use. Comes with six rotary encoders with a total of 32 inputs, retailing for $226. And I like the look of this. I mean, it looks really high quality. Looks like it's a, a brushed metal uh, box. USB coming out the side. Got the standard ignition, you know, with the cover and a push-button ignition. But a joystick as well for your F-boxes, F9 box and so forth. And I like the, I like the design. I mean, it, it's a pretty steep price tag for it. Um, but you do get a lot with it. I just don't know. It just It feels to me for the size of the box, it might be, like, too much in the box. Like, we're trying well, to a maneuver around. Are you getting an idea of how big it is? I, yeah. You don't really see the scale. You need something sitting next to it. Is that six inches tall or 12 inches tall? It's very busy, like you said, yeah. And then how do you mount it? You know, that every time somebody sells a button box, they don't show the back of it. I'm like, what are you doing? I got to figure out how to mount this thing before I buy it. I ain't buying it just because they don't show the back of it. So it's 15 centimeters by 25 centimeters by four centimeters, five centimeters. What is that in inches, I guess? Crickets. <laughs> well, we could just let truncane silent. It's six inches, so that is pretty compact. I'm very interested in this, to be honest. It looks high quality, right, Kyle? That's that's the appeal, right? Exactly. It's got, you know, it's, it looks, you know, rigid. It's not some cheap piece of plastic just kind of tossed together. It's actually supposed to be a metal frame. Uh, bolted together uh, buttons look beautiful uh, the rotaries look good on it the switches look good i'm sold and it's compact it looks like it's fairly compact if you could figure a good place to mount it i don't know about the usb coming out the side i mean the bottom might be better or the back i don't know it's always hard to mount things when they come straight out the back I don't think there's a great place to always put a wire coming out of these things just because of where you want to mount them. But at least it's on the side where you can have it something and drill a hole and run a, a line through or something like that, or the, the, the cord through. Well, what's neat tonight is we actually have a comparison for you as well, Kyle, with this next one that Greg's going to talk about. So DSD, 
Derek Spears Designs has their Mini Max. Uh, they're calling it button box controller. Uh, and it comes with five push buttons, four two-way rotary, two-way rotary encoders, five two-way monetary toggles, a USB connection on side, uh, and it's priced at $119.75. It's about $120 US. I want to link to this. It's pretty basic. So if you're just looking at the box, it's got it's basically lined up all the, you know, what it described there. It's got the the five toggles, the five push buttons, and the four rotary knobs, and they're all in their perspective rows, uh, and it's just a basic design box. So this is, I would call this more of a budgetary kind of box. You know, it's half the price of the other one. You got plastic involved instead of metal. But it is Derek Spears Designs, and they're known for good switches and everything. So I would say, you know, if this fits your budget, this is a good one to get. I missed the the guy, the Apex guy that made some stuff. Like, I think his button boxes were $75 to $100, and these things are, the button boxes seem to have gone up in price. I mean, obviously, they've gone up in sophistication of buttons and amounts, but this box here from Derek Spears, I think I paid 80 for mine. I have twice the amount of buttons and knobs and everything on it than this comes with. I mean, it, it's it's a decent price, but I just don't know, uh, you know, is it market value for that? I really like the other one from Ignition Controls. I mean, because you got the joystick, you got the, the ignition, the big round red ignition, and then you got the the ignition with the the cover over it the red plastic cover and, and you don't have that on the dsd one and those are like can't like i call them like candy drop buttons too like they're really nice uh they're a nice button that is lit up too right so it's Backlit, i think that yeah. it's yeah you you're kind of getting what you feel like you're paying for there with it so guess what's coming rain have you looked at your window lately? Rain. No. Nope. Kyle, have you looked out your window lately? <laughs> yeah, everything's calmed down here now, so no more tornado watches or anything like that. What's coming is uh, Windows 11. So many in the community have been asking questions. Will Sutton posted that he is going to put it on his other PC as Insiders Club member in about six to eight weeks. Uh, and tra- translation gets to be a guinea pig. Um and he said it's going to be a free upgrade, and the main thing will be how does it play with iRacing. Uh, if, as I look at this uh, other little form post, it he mentions that it does say that iRacing or games will be loading directly into memory on uh, Windows 11, kind of something coming over from the Xbox. And so what that's going to mean is uh instead of having to use the cpu to transfer from your solid state drive over to gpu it can go straight from the solid state drive to the gpu and make fast make for faster loading times now we had another poster powell kuzmiuric he posted on the forums that he does have the insiders preview uh it pushed 11 onto his computer and he said that quote iRacing wise i see no difference really I tried to turn on the WMR option, which starts WM for stream whenever WMR portal starts, but it screwed things up. But in game, I noticed no change so far for better or for worse. 
That's good because probably the biggest concern is going to be does the extra overhead cause everybody's computer to run bogged down? Well, this technology, like you were saying there, David, they're trying to get more out of using these, uh, you know, now instead of the, the, you know, we got memory with the CPU, but you got the better hard drives now that are, you know, there's, there's no moving parts in the hard drives that everything can be quickly, you know, transferred. So they've used all this technology on their Xbox, uh, this year so that they can have seamless transitions between things where you can have one game running in the background and another game can just, you can bring another game up and start playing it. And, and then all of a sudden go right back to the other game if you want. So th- this, it seems like some of the, some of the stuff they've learned with that, they're trying to incorporate into their next uh, operating system. Yeah. And just the way the computers evolved, the GPU and the CPU kind of having their different functions, uh, uh, they're fi- finding more and more ways to just optimize the use of GPUs. Uh, I actually had a former trumpet player to mine. He uh, went on into computer science and was one of the first researchers on his PhD into basically using GPUs to to run all the simulations instead of CPUs that the, that the supercomputer clusters are running. And they found a lot more efficiency in some of the GPU processing power versus CPU. So maybe I missed something, but somewhere along the way, I had the impression that Microsoft was never going to have anything other than Windows 10. There would never be a Windows 11. Is they, that was their marketing, I swear to God. Yeah, but I think they thought that when they named something Windows 95 and like the Microsoft said that about their, like, to be honest, Microsoft said that years ago about their gaming consoles, that they were going to, you know, they were going to make the next gaming console and that would be it. You would just upgrade it and it'd make it like a PC where you'd add parts. Well, they've upgraded to a new system multiple times here. So I think it's just companies speak to get you to purchase stuff at the time and, you know, deal with the backlash down the road, right? I don't remember them saying that. So, well, I'm not saying they didn't. I just don't remember it. It, you know, maybe I'm talking out my butt. It could be, but Windows 10 is a one cost purchase. Like you buy it once, right? And you own it. Well, they said, on the, as we were talking about on that thread, that Windows 11 is going to be a free upgrade. Well, that's what I'm kind of getting at. Is this new product, as they change names, leading to a service-type uh, subscription for Windows? I, I think that's where Microsoft really wants to take this, where you're paying them yearly or monthly for Windows instead of once. Got there other things? Yeah, Microsoft 365 works that way, you know. Um, there are other pro- products, so, uh, you know, I, I just think that's <laughs> the way they're going. Game Pass for their Xbox, where you get subscribed to the games instead of you pay a subscription cost, and it's like Netflix. It's You're exactly probably right, Mike. You're, they're going... They're going to move into the subscription era of things, and they're just going to update on the fly, and you're going to get all these things because you're paying for it yearly instead of, and then you don't have to worry about this, uh, your software ever being out of out, to, out of date or risk of losing an operating system, say like when Vista and uh, Office and all them went away. We will see. We got one more rig, Greg. Well, 
Well, next up, actually, we is, got a gyro uh, first. We got the old gyro view. I'm going to bring up for the millionth time. I haven't talked about it for a long time. So, for our newer listeners, uh, I actually saw a forum post this week from Robert Valley. He posted up. He watched a YouTube video. Uh, basically, said his driving view settings were all wrong, and so uh, he went into the forums to ask, you know, how are you guys running these settings? So when you go into SIM options in the SIM, on that front page in the lower left, you get uh, four different sliders. And um, and so everybody gave them their, you know, what are the, you know, what they run, you know, what, are, what settings do most people run? Well, my settings that I run and I posted up were is different than everybody else, and I call it the gyro view. But anyway, uh, if you take the roll and you put it at zero and the pitch at zero, neck motion at 25, and rotate with velocity at 100, that's how you produce this gyro view. I think you guys should try it. It uh, allows you to see chassis movements visually as your view is locked to the horizon instead of the chassis. And you can feel that or see that chassis moving under you visually, the compression of the shocks and the and springs and so forth, or the tire itself. And so that's how you do it. So, Greg, or I mean, David, I know you've tried this in the past, uh, maybe. What do you think? I have not tried it. You have not, yeah. I used to run. I used to run it before I went VR. You don't need it when you're in VR. Obviously, right. your head is where the where your eyes are going is what you're doing. But this is this actually does help. What I found in the past, it helps you feel the car a little bit better with monitors because if it's getting a little bit loose, you kind of can see it a little bit. I don't know. Do you still feel that, Mike, with with the way the gyro cam feels? Especially, yeah, with the rotate with velocity at 100, that's what does it, and the neck motion. And so you're right, as you as the car is about to break loose, you see it visually um, with the way this, this works. The other thing is there's, I ran this well before iRacing released Dirt. And when they released Dirt, you know, I didn't change my, my view. But the way it behaves on Dirt is is pretty amazing because... The way the with the rotate with velocity and the neck motion, and you're on you're constantly throwing the the right rear of the car out in the corners on dirt and getting that left corner you know left front turn down. I'm I'm like literally in my triples. I'm I'm literally looking out the left monitor when I'm dirt racing instead of the center monitor because I'm throwing the car sideways and because of the rotate and everything it. It, it rotates my view over to the left monitor. And so I'm kind of looking to the apex, so to speak. I don't know. It, 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 I think it helps in my dirt racing. It's really hard to describe, though. Well, when I'm, I'm driving, when I'm driving dirt, I'm always looking over to the right because your car is, you know, driving sideways. But just you got to be looking off to the right to to uh, kind of because that's the direction the car is going. See, if I had these set at default instead, I'd be looking straight out the center of the monitor on a dirt car. And you also wouldn't, like, even at a track like, say, Bristol, it kind of makes you feel like there's a little bit of G-forces going in the corner, too, because if you were just were sitting in the seat, you wouldn't move when you go into the corner, and you kind of, the angles all change. It, it just helps you find more of the track with 
especially in a single monitor setup. I, I've never witnessed it in a triple monitor setup. Uh, I just know what a single did for me, and it, it seemed to work perfectly for it. Yeah, just I'm turn on the settings I mentioned and just try it at Bristol, Atlanta, anywhere there's banking. Uh, that's the, really the way to tell is get in the banking and, uh, and see the differences. I'm going to test it out. Tell Dagan and Knight and Lee Grace. Go yeah, for it. You're not VR, are you, Kyle? Not anymore. I used to be. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's right. You're, you're, you're triples, aren't you? Yeah. And now we got a rig review. Now, I love this one. So, iRacer uh, Mike McCormick um, posted up his setup in, I guess, his nice little office he has here. I, I, I kind of like his rug that's behind his uh, <laughs> rig here, too, but um it's an 80-20 rig uh that it looks like he's added on over the years here building stuff uh but he's got does it look like butt kickers in all the corners uh it's a nice setup uh it's an energy seat uh for it. he's got a butt kicker on the seat um i guess a picture here of his showing his uh his racing shoes it's on a platform that moves so obviously he can move it around if he has to Nice triple setup with a uh, uh, a fourth monitor up top uh, for stuff. Uh, he's got his keyboard and his button box, uh, and he's got a hell of a PC there uh, that's uh, liquid cooled and everything. Uh, it's nice to see uh, this whole setup. It, it, it's a really nice. Uh, How is it different from 80/20? a traditional eighty twenty though? That's well, the, the the main thing is there's the this, a shelf behind it. Well. Well, the, yeah, it may, yeah, it is a little wider, but also there's a shelf in the back over the pedals. For the computer. Yeah. Uh, and a big could, shelf. That's a mm-hmm. hell of a PC case, too. Yeah, I, I thought it was a printer. <laughs> That's what I did, too. It is the size, if not bigger. It's almost like a, reminds me of a big faxing yeah. printer. I, I'm going to do this just because it'd be huge to have that extra storage space sitting there behind, behind the car, especially in a tight little apartment. That's why I love this this rig, guys. I think it's custom. I don't think I've ever seen this for sale. He doesn't say, but it's wide. I mean, it's wider than the seat is wide. Okay, so he's got six inches of eighty twenty base to the left and right of the seat. So it's it's ultra wide, but that ultra wideness gives you that huge shelf for the computer behind the center monitor. Um, and and he's got this monster box. That looks like a printer case, but there's room around the box too. I mean, on, on all four sides. I mean, you you can see he put down his a coffee cup there, you know, and different things next to it, you know, because it's like a huge shelf above the pedals. Yeah, and you could you could order some profile, even though mine's not that super wide, and and add it either way. So I'm I'm pretty tempted to go ahead and get those pieces so- and, and build that on there. So with the eighty twenty, those that smaller boxes, like the top part there, is that just a smaller piece you order like that? Like it looks like it's a half of a bar. Like yeah, that's just one, that's just single profile instead of the double wide profile, or triple wide. Okay, that's what it's and called. It, you just profile. got the, you just got the, uh, he's got it jointed in with the with the corner joints in all the different places. And the butt kicker, I want to point those out. So. He's got one coming out on the right side of the seat and one on the left side of the seat. Again, that's that extra six inches or so 
of extra base allows that. But then look at what, how the pedals are, too. I mean, he's got butt kickers on profile that are little, literally where the pedals are mounted. He's also got one directly underneath the seat, too, in the backside, if you look. Oh, yeah. And then the PC case. I, you know, when I was building a, P, a PC, I was looking for an oddball case that wasn't a traditional size. And, and this would be perfect. Well, uh, Bobby chimed in for us. It's a Cooler Master half case. It is. Okay. It looks pretty cool. Anyway, yeah. I, I threw this in the chat earlier today because I was, or last night because I was kind of like, wow, I've, I've been wanting to get a eighty twenty or build one, and I like the idea of like overbuilding it. Like, let's make it real wide. Let's have a big old shelf for my computer and my other stuff, and let's put butt kickers everywhere. And yeah. Well, how'd your race go Friday, uh, Mike? Well, let's talk NIS. I can't believe it. Road America, P9. I qualified P5. And I had lots of issues. One guy doored me to the wall hard. I had one minute damage. I was 13th going into stops, was 7th coming out. Um, I had lots of self-spins and, and I actually had a drive-through at 17X, but still a top 10 on a road course. Hell yeah. Yeah, I wrecked out. Um, I just missed a turn two. I broke too late, I guess, and went sliding off the track and never got it back. And in the process of overcompensating, missed again and missed again and parked it. I, uh, I wrecked too. And you were hoping for a good run, uh, Greg. Well, I was I was pretty psyched for that night. Um, I was not having the best of races. I was still decent. I was going to try and get a good finish. And I wrecked because my VR shut off. It said my oh, yeah. display cable came undone, which I don't know if it just was pulled on it a little bit when I moved my head. But the one that attaches into the actual top of the... Uh, headset. I played with it a little bit and eventually kicked back in, but I totally totaled my car. I had no idea where I was going, nothing. So it is what it is, and uh, we moved on. I never raced uh, there until the Monday night race again. I didn't even get up on Saturday morning to, uh, to bother, or Sunday morning to bother racing. Somebody's put an equipment hex on us, eh? Yeah, hasn't been a great, uh, <laughs> great time. I did get up for the Sunday Open, and I wish I didn't. Actually, I, I was running really well, um, and I already made it all the way to the pit stop and was out on fresh tires, nobody around me, um, and got hard on the brakes coming down to turn five, and the car just snapped to the right, right into the wall. Okay. And uh, let's move on to Atlanta. Wednesday Open, David, P22. Yep, lost the toss on the, the coin toss on the cautions. Had a great long run set and was going to be able to make it in one stop. But the caution came out right in that little window where I was still a lap down, running down the leaders. They were about five seconds in front of me. I was getting about a half a second to a second a lap on them. Caution comes out. So I had to start 28th in the back, 
uh, after the wave around with eight lap older tires. I passed all the other guys that took wave arounds and even caught a few guys that um, that had the newer tires and climbed back up to 22nd. But it, uh, it was racing clean and j just with a horribly timed spin. All right, and then Kyle, P19. Um, have you ever had a dream that was so good that anything that just woke you up was going to ruin it? Well, this was that race. Uh, started out, I got a P19 on the finish there. I uh, started P13 and snuck my way up to the top five. Uh, lap 33, I took the lead on a restart and held the lead for three laps. Hit it with a plus four second lead over second place. Uh, after the pit cycle came through, I was working my way back up the, up the field and got taken out by a lap down car. Uh, who bounced off turn one wall that and that set me back 10 laps got a wave around and lucky dog and was able to squeak out a p19 i thought i had that race in the bag yeah you were pretty happy there for a while i was right out front <laughs> <laughs> okay so i had a p24 i actually wrecked on my own about halfway uh into the race did pretty good up into that point, but man, just one mistake. And uh, it would get really loose coming off uh, and you had to be real careful. I kind of wish I had turned the steering ratio up to 16. I think we were running 12 on that set, but I just felt like, you know, I overcorrected on the wheel a little bit and that would get me loose. And yeah, so one minute, 30 seconds damage, but never really recovered from that. Um, I ended up self spinning a few other times and I was kind of a weapon out there. Uh, in fact, one guy was calling me out after the race and telling me what a crappy driver I was. Um, he even tried to wreck me after the checkered had gone by. He had slowed down, and I was driving by, headed to the pits, and he did a sharp right to try to hook into me, and I just went right on by. He didn't time it right. Um, but he was mad. He sent me a private message later uh, telling me how bad a driver I was. Gotta love that. Most of those guys don't know what they're talking about. You know, I, hey, I, I sucked. I did, I did spin. I did wreck. You know, it happens. And you know, and I've been running NASCAR racing for a long time. And you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm a good driver. I wouldn't say I'm a bad driver. But it happens. I mean, I, I came into this race with zero laps. I mean, zero practice. A set I've never run before. Um, I'm not too surprised, um, but I had a lot of personal things going on this week, and I just didn't have the, the opportunity to do it correctly. Greg, you got wrecked from seventh with two to go. Yeah, I had a race where I was, I did the exact same thing you did. I think I called it right when I started the race. I'm pulling a Mike Ellis. I didn't qualify. I used, sorry, I did qualify, but I used my qualifying to try the setup before we went into the race. That was my, I ran like five laps in qualifying just to see how the setup felt. And then went into the race and, you know, just minded my business. So I, I got in a couple part, you know, fenders damage and stuff from some wrecks and somehow I ended up just making my way up to the front. And David, I know me and you, uh, you haven't had a chance to talk about it, but me and you were trying a strategy there uh, in different, you know, you were trying to go long just like I was and the caution came out as soon as all the pit cycles were done and it kind of screwed it. But I thought that was the best chance to try that strategy where we could have gone, you know, a full tank and try to make it on one stop just to see where we would finish. And then by the time it was caution after caution after that, once the caution came out and 
I made it up to seventh and the guy underneath me, you know, he just exited the corner like I wasn't there and basically just took my right rear and spun me down into the inside wall and that was it for me. That's the yeah. thing about being on the outside. You're at the mercy of those guys that dive down there. And uh, yeah, the strategy was just dependent on the the caution not coming out or not or coming out sooner or later. If it had come out before I had to pit, I would have been golden. If it had come out just a few laps later when I had gotten my lap back, I would have been in good shape because I would have at least had fresh tires. Yeah, so yeah, I know how that works. Uh, I was the only one who got to run this this afternoon. Um, and about lap 20, I got caught in the big one. It had about a minute and a half of damage and was down horsepower. Um, not much, though. It was running in 1985 on the RPMs instead of 2000. And I had, and I had a lot of left rear damage. I, I managed to get it all fixed, though, because there was another quick caution. And uh, somehow still had speed. Uh, probably could have had a top 5 or top 10 car. But with the in- inch damage, I was able to climb back well pretty quickly get right back up to p12 and just couldn't catch anybody further up than that also want to mention wednesday night uh tony was i think he finished ninth by memory he did not write his results in here um so no witty comments and then stephen Allen uh also ran with us and guys he was leading laps uh he was up front uh leading uh, running well, and then all of a sudden he said over team speak, guys, I wrecked myself out. So, tough break for Steve. Let's move then on. Then we ran, yeah, so I say, then there was Fast Track. Fast Track on Monday, our Sim Racing League. It's like half uh, track. Nobody ever showed up. Well, I couldn't show up. I had uh, some stuff going on. Uh, Greg, you got P2. Yeah, basically cruised myself around for... I was, I think I led the most laps in that race, but the only reason I led those laps is because I watched uh, two of the guys that tried to hot lap the first lap and one spun and destroyed himself in front of me. And the other one was watching in his rear rear mirror as the guy was spinning and missed the corner and went into the corner. And that was uh, our, uh, our teammate for the 24 hour race this weekend, Richard Lucky. Uh, he went into the cor- in one of the corners, just missed it. And uh, I think he had fell back, what, 15, 20 seconds from us and he still ended up winning the race by I think it was 19 seconds by the end of it so I only led until he came back up to the front but just yeah, don't it, have, it, we don't have the speed that uh, Richard does it did not take him long he's 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 real good um and yeah I was so he passed me long before he passed you I didn't qualify I think I failed to qualify I had to start like p9 and was uh, right after all of that kind of shook out, I got up to P3 pretty quick and nobody was near us from that point on. It was you 20 seconds ahead of me and the person behind me was 30 seconds back. I think we, I think there was 13, 14 cars that started that race. And I, yeah, think, that, I think we had lapped up to ninth over a two minute and it was only 30 laps, which was, thank God it was only 30 or 25 laps. It wasn't yeah, because it, it, it wouldn't have changed the results at all. Nobody was nobody was going to run anybody down at that point. I, I, you know, what bores me with the road courses, especially on the stock cars now, is um, just there's there's not strategy. You know, it's just you you just run your race and you either screw up or you don't. There's never any cautions that can occasionally shake things up and make somebody have to adjust. 
that's the thing. Let's get some uh, random caution involved, especially if it's a league race. We could do that, right? I presented the the app that the Matrix uses to Jeff, but he didn't like the idea of a caution at Road America. Um, sounds like we might not run any of the freaking road courses if they had their choice. Yeah, for example, they're not going to go to Chicago. They've already said if we go to Indy, Chicago. Indy? No, the Chicago street course. Oh, yeah. That was they've already, I don't they've already said they won't happen. run it. I didn't, yeah, that might be on the schedule next year, but for this year, they were talking no, about Indy only being Indy. Yeah, they were talking about running regular Indy instead of the road course, but they were talking. They, they said next year, if Chicago's on the schedule, they'll just go back and run the oval. Which is annoying because I'd like to run that and see what those guys can do. I don't think it is going to be as bad. It'll be lucky you, me. <laughs> yeah, the, the league is. This is the first race I think I've missed, but we really need participation. We we need to recruit some other folks. And hey, if you're listening and you have nothing to do Monday, come race with us. Well, uh, get up, Jeff Marvel. And it's good racing. Like last week at Pocono, we ran. The full the full race without a caution this week obviously it wasn't the best event but the last couple of weeks have been like one or maybe one caution two cautions at the most and the racing has been really competitive and i don't doubt it's going to be any different when we go monday night there to do atlanta either because that'll be a fun race with these guys too all right obrl the i uh, racers lounge aftermath truck series Ran last night. Congratulations, Josh Robinson, for winning uh, Atlanta. Steve Thompson second. Andrew Hess third. Gridfinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. Gridfinder. Gridfinder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. And with that, we'll go to final thoughts. David Hall. We have a race. Uh, if you're watching live, come come run the Le Mans with us. Even if you're not running the real one, just help us fill up the field. Uh, the damage is off, but the incident limits are on there. And if anybody's if anybody's being a total jerk, it's it'll be pretty quick on the on the kick button. But uh, let's 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 go run a, a little hour race in um, in the time warp. Yeah, sounds like fun. Greg Hector's final thoughts. Uh, one thing I didn't get to mention I, when I was talking about the race that I did last night, I tried something different that I normally don't do. I took the virtual mirror off and went to the actual cup mirror for running the race. And I run a lot of, you know, I run uh, spotter lights and things like that. So I, I, I got an extra thing for the spotter uh, for it. Uh, it was quite interesting to try and adapt to it in the race there at Atlanta last night. But uh I did have fun doing it. I don't think I'll be doing it for certain cars. I probably would suggest myself not to do it this weekend in the 24 hours for uh, the sake of not being the guy, that guy who wrecks the car out. Um, but uh, other than that, that's I look forward to racing that race this weekend, hopefully getting a good finish tomorrow night. So Sunday 
leaves us wide open to race if we have to in the 24 hour and don't have to get up to do the cup race. All right. Good luck with that. Kyle Pendygraff, final thoughts? Um, so I've been gone a few weeks. Uh, glad to be back. Uh, I've missed all of you all. Um, but I do want to give a shout out for tonight's race. Uh, the IROC Challenge Series. We are at Talladega in the trucks. We are down to five races. Uh, so the season's coming down to an end. Uh, so be sure to uh, catch that. Uh, right now we have switched broadcasters. Uh, once I get the information on the broadcaster, I will post the information up on uh, probably a loud pedal gaming page. Uh, so if you're curious to watch that, I will post it there with a link to the YouTube channel. Other than that, um, everybody have a good weekend. All right. Glad to have you back on the show. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, back to my, my Russian shifter. I mean, I love it. Uh, we got it mounted up correctly. I've, I've raced with it a few times and, um, I couldn't be more happier. It was such a good move. It, it really is a stopgap measure uh, with all my wheel problems just to keep me uh, racing. Um, I couldn't trust the, the shifter paddles anymore. Um, they always were crapping out during the race, so I've, I've solved the problem, and, uh, and I love it. So real happy with that. Other than that, just trying to get uh, some races in. I, I'm hoping for a good race in Atlanta Friday. I need a result. I've had some crappy, crappy results. Um, real happy with Road America, though, with a top 10 there with nine um, to kind of turn that around. So I just need to keep that going with Atlanta and need another top 10. So that's what I'm shooting for. And, uh, hey, we'll see you out on the track. One last thing real quick. Um, I just now got confirmation that is PTM Racing TV on YouTube for the uh, iRacing iRock Challenge Series. All right, we'll check it out. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.